Blog Talk Radio. Welcome, this is Karina Schmidt and this is Sophie's Voice Live on Tuesday, August 10th. And today I have the pleasure of having Ruben Young on my show. Ruben Young is running for Congress in District 23 in Florida. He announced his uh, candidacy for this election. And we are here to talk to him today about what his policy platform is. Ruben has his education. He has a bachelor's from Faulkner University from 2005. Then he served our military in the U.S. Army from 1980 to 82. He has also worked as a legislative assistant. He's a Miamian Christian conservative. And welcome to the show, Ruben Young. Thank you for joining us today. I appreciate you talking to us. Thank you. Thank you, Karina. Thank you very much for that kind introduction. Uh, not always you have someone to give a good, a pretty good introduction. I really do thank you for uh, for the intro. It's really my pleasure to have you here, and and it's a pleasure to be able to learn more about your um, your candidacy and, and talk to our listeners about it. If there anybody out there that has any questions for Ruben Young today, you can call in at five one five. Six zero five nine eight eight seven. Ruben, um, let's get straight to business here. Because um, what what's important here is really why you are running. And I'm very curious, and I know that a lot of people out there really want to know why you're running for District 23, um, and what what's the purpose of it um, in terms of bettering our society. Well, that, that, that's, a, that's a very good question. Oh, why am I running? Well, I, I'm running because, you know, I've always wanted to be in a position of service. I've always been a strong person, a strong advocate uh, for protecting the rights of citizens and protecting the rights of Americans. I've always been involved. You know, I first got involved or became involved when I, like you stated, I uh, I joined the military, and I joined the military because I wanted to serve my country, and also because I had an elder brother at the time. He was very, he gave me a lot of encouragement about how to uh, change and how to improve my life. And that's been a long time journey of how to improve, uh, improve lives and improve my life. You know, when I was a kid, I used to be bullied and pushed around. I, I was always the smallest person in the in the room, so people had a tendency of pushing me around, especially smaller children around in elementary school. So I think that I developed that knack of standing up uh, to the bullying. And I learned how to fight. I learned how to uh, push back as a kid. I, I, I remember, you know, one summer I was so skinny and I hit the gym. And I hit that gym and I hit it running. I hit it hard. I stayed in the gym uh, doing various uh, exercise and, and, and I begin to prepare my mind physically and spiritually and so I can stand up for myself and not only for myself but stand up for people that I felt when time comes uh, I didn't like to see anybody bullying you know Karina when you know that was a bully we had he was a guy by the name of Michael Johnson and he was one of the persons that bought 
that uh, fought Mike Tyson, I think back in the early 80s, and that was a, a classmate of mine. And he used to go around, and he was so big in school, especially in the ninth grade, he would punch people and hit people. And I said, then why don't you be a boxer? I said, why don't you be a boxer? He was a real bully. I said, why don't you be a boxer? And when I saw him on television fighting Mike Tyson, I was like, what? He did become a boxer. And But, you know, he is it made. So that's been a part of my life, uh, standing up, standing up to the bullying. And I'm running because that's what I see in this country. I see nothing but a bunch of bullies. I see people that's pushing other people around. And when I see that, something in me stands up because... You know, it doesn't make any sense for us to be in a country. Now, the United States of America is one of the greatest countries uh, in the world. And it, it is up to all of us to stand up to the bullying that's taking place with the lawlessness, with the BLMs, with the Antifas, with those that are uh, destroying, destroying our history and taking away our free speech and turning America flip side up, uh, upside down and this is why I think that now uh, you know running for this seat uh, running on a platform of, re of restoring law and order running on a platform about restoration revitalization and republicanism you know returning our American spirit reviving our American hope and our dreams and returning this country back to law and order so you know when I see uh, people like Debbie Wasserman Schultz who's been in the position uh, since 2004. And I don't see her standing up for people. I don't see her standing up for me. I don't see her standing up for you. And I don't see her standing up for that district because a, a, a U.S. representative, uh, his or her job is to, is to protect the civil rights and the natural rights of natural-born citizens. Uh, natural-born meaning a citizen that was born naturally in America. And being America first, I don't see that. So. That's why I'm running. I'm running to protect those core values. I'm running to protect the, uh, to advocate for our small businesses. I'm running to uh, advocate for our parents and our grandparents that want their children to have a quality education. I'm running to support and defend unadult the unadulterated uh, Constitution of the United States. And I'm running because we need election security, we need safer, and we need communities full of economic opportunity, which under the uh, under David Wasserman Schultz and her party, I don't see Let me, ask you, let so, me ask you very specifically about Debbie Wasserman Schultz, who, who you're looking to defeat. What is it precisely that you um, think she's doing wrong? What is it that she is not doing that you can do better? Well, you know, I mean, being there's an advocate, specific problems with with how she has handled um, her seat in Congress, correct? Yes, yes. Well, let's, let's, let's go back to the history. So, Debbie Washington Schultz in 2004 was put in uh, put in office uh, in District 23 with a large percentage of the uh, uh, Jewish vote, and in being uh, elected and being a person. Who uh, of, of of the Jewish faith? She doesn't even stand up for the people that put her in office. I mean, uh, right now uh, Israel is under attack. Right now, there's uh, policies uh, put in place by Demi uh, Demi uh, shows that uh, doesn't support uh, or doesn't eradicate the kinds of mistreatment that uh, our uh, Jewish uh, believers, our, our Jewish faith uh, communities. Uh, uh, 
that's taking place at this point, at this moment. So a lot of the Jewish people have told me uh, that she has betrayed them, that she has uh, turned uh, against them, that she has not recognized her own her own Jewish community members. So that's one of the things. I mean, that's one of the things that I see that she's not doing. How are you going to do it differently to address their particular concern? Because it it is it's a very big issue that um, that you have a situation in Israel still a very very dangerous situation in fact, and she has done literally nothing. What is it that you well, are going to do different? Well, you know, one of the things I heard uh, from my conversation with uh, Bob Cunts, uh, he's a strong advocate for our Jewish people. And I spoke to uh, Dennis Lamb, and I had an opportunity to briefly talk to Joe Kaufman. And most of these individuals have uh, ran against Debbie because uh, they want to have a voice. And one of the things that, I, that I've learned being an African-American, I know what it feels like to uh, be discriminated against. I've been uh, dealing with that over the last 60 years. I know how it feels when uh, you have individuals that you believe and you trust uh, to uh, be a voice for you, especially in the uh, United States House of Representatives, and they disappoint you. You know, mm-hmm. I'm, I, I plan to stand with uh, Israel. I, stand, I plan to stand with our, uh, Jewish, uh, our Jewish community. I, I plan to uh, not just advocate the concerns of my community, but, uh, but to learn more of the concerns uh, and to be a, a, an advocate, because that's what I am. I'm an advocate. I mean, if I see something, I will say something. So I want to uh, 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 build that bridge. I want to uh, fulfill that that gap. That uh, And I want to stand and support uh, uh, the... Uh, uh, I want to support the Jewish uh, community in a way that I have not seen done. And I want to do it in a way where, you know... Uh, in recognizing uh, Jerusalem and standing by Israel, with, which the Democratic Party, who uh, David Washington shows, is a part of, uh, they have policies, Karina. Yeah, they have these. So, uh, they have these policies uh, that let, me, have to do that. let me go back a little bit because you served the U.S. military. You were in the Army for several years, and thank you for your service. Uh, we greatly appreciate that. Um, let's talk very briefly about uh, how do you differ from Debbie Wasserman Schultz in terms of addressing concerns of the veterans because that's a very big issue. We have a lot of veterans in in South Florida, correct? And I yes, know um, I know from uh, Debbie McCarcel Powell when she was uh, in Congress, and now we have Jimenez in in what was her seat. A problem with her was that she would say that she supports the veteran, but in reality, what she really does is nothing. So you as a veteran, what are you going to do different from uh, Debbie Wasserman Schultz? And what is it that she has not done for the military, for veterans and the active duty members in your district? Well, you know, uh, a lot of questions. I know, with, but yeah, yeah. Let's, let's, let's deal with the veteran. I mean, as you mentioned, I am a veteran. I, I did serve in the United States Army. I uh, did uh, at one point in time. I lived uh, as a homeless veteran. I uh, 
and it, it, it's the, the lack thereof. You know, a lot of times we don't, veterans, uh, especially those struggling veterans, you know, the suicide rate of, of veterans, uh, feeling, uh, feeling depressed because of the uh, lack of mental, uh, mental health uh, mm -hmm. care. Those are things I want to address uh, as a congressional representative. Uh, Do you think she has addressed that at all? How, how is she to handle the veteran affairs in terms of like uh, taking care of those that are coming back from uh, um, from theater of combat? Well, you know, I mean, you just you, 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 now you 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 keep your eye on, on what's going on politically. I mean, I I was uh, somewhere and, and uh, she was speaking to a, a group of veterans and she uh, she degraded them. She uh, talked down to them. She didn't even speak uh, speak about the the, uh, the lack of services that most of the veterans are receiving, especially the uh, lack of, uh, of of medical care and health care and the quality of medical care and health care. I mean, those are not the, the parties uh, that Debbie support. I mean, you know, even with homeless veterans, homeless veterans uh, they they need a lot of uh, uh, help. They need resources. They need you know if, if someone that they can go to, somebody they can turn to when when monies are not readily available for the, 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 the care of veterans and not just the veterans, those returning home and, and that also include the care of their families. I mean you don't mm -hmm. see David Wiseman shows speaking on any of these issues. They have not I have not seen her address any of these issues. I have not seen her talk about, you know, having a solid a solid uh, base of support for those veterans, like uh, a, a lot of the different, you know, uh, veteran clinics, uh, some of the clinics that's closer, closer to the veterans uh, when it when it comes to getting them the the needed assistance that they need. I don't see Debbie even talking about that. All I hear is that, that they want to do is all I hear is what they want to do is just dry up or take the money away from uh, military uh, our military and and skim back. Especially the, the uh, what President Trump had done in uh, fully supporting, fully funding our military and keeping us ready in the in the event that that we are that we may be uh, under attack by a foreign nation. And our military, uh, someone has to be a voice. Uh, and when you're a representative, you're supposed to represent even the smallest or minute. Uh, issue that's affecting your district, and there's a lot of homeless veterans in her district. A lot of the homeless veterans have come home and find that that, that there are there many uh, services for them to take advantage of. And those are the things that I think that she has failed uh, our military, and she's felt our veterans. And there's one, there's some of the things that you were going to to address. Um, well, when you get elected, and and hopefully well, you do. Yeah. I have to address those things because uh, I, I I know the problems and, and pain of our district. I mean, I want to see more veterans with you know uh, uh, businesses. I want to see I want to see more veterans become entrepreneurs. I want to see more veterans in that district become self-sufficient because if we can establish uh, a business relationships within that district and region, we can assist wherever there's a need to assist, and so people can be self-sufficient. We can generate the type of taxes or tax dollars that that district needs uh, to support uh, support itself without creating any other social programs, without creating any other welfare program. Because they say if you teach a man 
Uh, if, you, if you show a man how to fish, you eat for a day. But if you teach a man how to fish, you eat a lifetime. And that's what I want to see with our veterans. I like I that. Veterans. I like that. I instead, of just, veterans. instead of just putting in more social programs that only gives them a reason to increase their the tax burden on people. I, I like that approach. That's very good. Um, I want to move on to another question where... Um, I personally think that Debbie Washerman Schultz has failed the community, and that's in respect to a First Amendment right. I'd like you to, to talk to me and my audience a little bit about how do you think she has failed, because our First Amendment rights are failing everywhere in the United States right now. It, it's down from, you know, our press, our publishing industry, which I'm in. I see, I see you know, the left lashing out against everybody that expressed any kind of uh, support for for America and our history and, and so on, uh, such as, for example, uh, where we had Sophie's Corner, uh, the bookstore, which is now going completely online. Um, you know, malls are becoming uh, a center for for the woke society. And uh, and that affects our First Amendment rights, such as when they, they give us a hard time about flying the American flag in, in a store. We should be able to do that without having somebody lash out against us. How do you how do you think she has failed to address this very, very big problem that we have with censorship and freedom of speech and so on? And what are you going to do to make a difference? Well, you know, when I when I get elected, uh, one of the things I must do when I raise my hand, I must take an oath. And I must uh, take that oath uh, with the knowledge that it, it is, would be my job to protect and defend this, this Constitution or defend the Constitution of the United States and, and, and vehemently support and defend it against all enemies, both foreign and domestic. And what I see, what she has done, she's felt us as a congressional representative because she has not fulfilled that, that oath of office. She has not uh, uh, defended our Constitution. Uh, her, her and her party uh, have violated a lot of a new a lot of rights. Our Declaration of, of Rights, uh, our uh, Bill of Rights, uh, our First Amendment right, freedom of speech, our freedom of religion, freedom of press. Uh, have violated our rights under the uh, under the, the, uh, the Constitution because as a citizen, and see that's what the Constitution does. The, uh, the Constitution protects citizenship. Yeah, it protects natural-born citizenship. It protects those Americans born here uh, in this country. So, you know, we, we, the people have a problem when you start talking about putting America first. And this, that's one of the things that Debbie Wasserman shows uh, fails us because, you know, as, as representatives, if you go back into the 1700s, the only positions you had back in the 1787, 1776, and 1789 and moving forward, uh, you had our U.S. representative. And the reason uh, we had those positions, those positions created within our Constitution, because uh, the Constitution made it possible for people such as Debbie Washington Schultz uh, to uh, serve at the lowest forms of our government, uh, directly communicate and directly talk to the talk, talk about the needs of the people in that district. So therefore, they have a national voice. So they take, they take that from a district level and they take it to the, uh, the, uh, the, the U.S. government level so your concerns can be expressed and heard. 
Debbie's watching the show over years, and what I'm going to do different, I'm going to protect the Constitution, protect not just the Constitution, but I'm going to protect every legal right of every American born here in the United States of America. Because it would, it, because that would be a barrier for me not to do so. And I'm going to take my oath serious because Debbie and her party, the Democratic Party, they're now promoting a, a, a policies of anarchy. They're promoting policies of lawlessness. And when, they, when you start talking about taking people Second Amendment rights from them, which are also part of those constitutional rights within the Bill of Rights that I was, was sharing with you about, talking to you about, she's uh, not stood up for uh, this country, for not protected. She has not protected our Second Amendment rights. She has not protected our religious rights. She has not protected our rights to free speech. And because of the Democratic Party now being taken over by uh, a communist, communism and socialism, a lot of the strategies and the policies that they're not promoting are uh, taking away people's rights, isolating, uh, isolating Americans with these masks and uh, with these uh, uh, lawless policies of, of eradicating racism. What made us a great country, which is our history, take destroying mm -hmm. statues and removing statues and allowing terrorists to, to go into our communities and terrorize the people and nothing happened to them. So you cannot have a country that's uh, half free and half slave. And this is what the Democratic Party is not promoting. So that part of the failure of Demi, uh, Debbie Watson shows, because at one point in time, she was the chairwoman of the Democratic Party. And the Democratic Party is now a party that has been taken over by the fair policy of communism, socialism. And this is the fight that we must fight as Americans. We must fight this fight. And we must tell people like Debbie Washington Show that we're going to hold you accountable for violating that oath because on the 18 U.S.C. 1918, it makes it a crime when a, a congressional representative or a senator publicly advocate changes to a constitutional form of government without an amendment. And the reason we can't take uh, make people like Debbie accountable or Nancy uh, Pelosi accountable or Chuck Schumer accountable because everybody's been doing the same thing. Uh, we have people that's also in the bed with the Democratic Party. You have Republicans that's in the bed with Democratic Party. You have candidates running for office that's in the bed with the Democratic Party and trying to do what they can to keep people like David Washington shows are uh, in their seats because of the opportunities of raising money, being able to live a, lot, a lavish lifestyle after the fact. So that's what I want to do differently. Uh, I intend once I get elected, I want to hit that floor and I want to hold David Washington shows accountable to her oath. And if there's any egregious actions or any egregious acts that, that's uh, assigned to the violation of her oath, I want to call to the floor and have uh, this body, that representative body, to take the, the appropriate action against uh, Debbie and others who have violated that constitution. Thank you. Um, if there are people sitting out there or uh, those that are sitting out there and would like to support Ruben Young's uh, running for Congress, you can do that in many different ways. You can either go to his website or you can go to our website too. Now, Ruben Young's website is www.ryoungforcongress.com. You can also support him by uh, going to 
sophiepublishing.com. We have set up a very nice deal for you. You get American Carnage, which is written by Tim Alberta. Uh, when you support Ruben Young through our website, um, you can do that with either $30, $50, $100, or $250, and you get the book American Carnage by Tim Alberta. And we have some very interesting people that have said wonderful things about this book. So this is one of the reasons why we selected that as a way to give back to you. You're supporting Ruben Young, which we really appreciate. And we want to give something back to you with that. For example, Donald Trump said about this book, Romney's problem was that he held too much respect for Obama and he shouldn't have done that because Obama didn't deserve it. Another one said, uh, history isn't uh, kind to the man who holds Mussolini's jacket. That was Ted Cruz that said that. So we, we feel that this is a really great book to to give back to you when you support Ruben Lang. Again, uh, again you can get that on sophiepublishing.com. You can also support Ruben Young on www.ryoungforcongress.com. I want to move on to another question, Ruben, um, and that is you briefly touched on our Second Amendment rights as we were talking about First Amendment. Second Amendment is very important to lots of Americans as well, and we feel like that is under attack right now. There's, as far as I'm concerned, any restriction on your First Amendment right to, to keep and bear arms is a violation of the Constitution because it doesn't give you any restrictions. There's no stipulations with that right. It just clearly says that you have the right to keep their arms. So, knowing that Debbie Wasserman Schultz has advocated for gun control excessively, um, just like most of the other far left people in, in Congress that are violating our rights on a daily basis, um, what are you going to do to uh, to maintain our right to keep and bear arms and to protect and fight, uh, perhaps even to declare your district or to advocate for Florida to declare a Second Amendment sanctuary state? Because right now they are trying to take away our guns, and that's a big problem, wouldn't you say? Yes, yes. You know, the uh, Second Amendment I mean, you come from the military. You come from a military background. You know, so I'd like to hear what, uh, what you're going to do to protect well, our rights. Okay, so thank you. Thank you very much. Well, you know, the Second Amendment uh, is a constitutional right. And it, it, I want to I have an opportunity to, to share the, the exact language of the Second Amendment. It says a well-regulated militia being necessary to the, to the security of a free state. The right of the people to keep and their arms shall not be infringed. So the, the, the Constitution is, is clear uh, is in its intent. It's clear in its language. And it is so simple that a fool can understand standing. And I don't think that Debbie Washington Schultz, I don't think that she uh, reads the Constitution. When she advocates gun control, I don't think that she, uh, she understands the Constitution when she advocates uh, gun control. And I don't uh, think that she understands the, the oath that she took to defend this document as is. And if she doesn't like this document, one of the things that, one, one of the things that she has under her purview or uh, in her position, uh, she can ask for that language to be amended. But you just can't, as a congressional representative, when you take that oath of office and you violate that oath of office, and I have to make this clear, I mean, so you're going to hear me 
constantly say that because I don't see uh, any person, either Democrat or Republican, holding people like David Washington Schultz accountable. When I take office, and when I raise my hand to defend the Second Amendment, I'm gonna do it with all uh, fiber. I'm gonna do it uh, with with a lot of passion because I'm gonna protect the rights because I'm a real advocate. Debbie Watson shows that's not her. So maybe we need to put some letters, some stronger language. Maybe we need to put some strong federal laws in place that uh, that uh, incarcerate congressional representatives when they go against this this document. Maybe we want to propose that. Write something Next up. Time, that that helps, Next time, let's an idea. Let's do that. that, that they should be held accountable for for going against one of the most, or if not the most important document ever written. They should it's be held accountable. And they should be put it, in prison for that. Absolutely. I find that to be they great. Should be imme- they should be immediately incarcerated. And they should be immediately uh, hauled off uh, to prison because of the fact that they understood. You know, I, I learned a long time ago, uh, Karina, ignorance of the law is no excuse. And when you I'm run for Congress, when you run for Congress, you better you better dang well know what you're getting yourself into. This is serious because the Constitution is the is the document that all laws are, are built upon. And anything that goes against this Constitution, whether it be an ordinance, or whether it be a state statute, or whether it be a, a county resolution, if it conflicts with this document, it is therefore deemed unconstitutional. And so when I hear people like David Washington uh, shows. When I hear people like Joe Biden, I can't say President Biden because he was not legally and lawfully elected. Well, we'll by yeah, Tom he was not Biden. legally and lawfully elected by electors that was appointed by state legislatures. So therefore, he's operating uh, illegitimate and de facto government because nothing he signed. I mean, if you're going to talk about law, nothing he signed can be supreme law of the land. Uh, Donald Trump's signature, because he was duly elected by electors appointed by uh, electors, about the state legislatures, he is still the legal and lawful president of the United States. So when I hear people like uh, David Wiseman Schultz, uh, who took an oath to defend this Constitution, when I hear say things like, oh, Trump lost, he did not lose, because that's a, that's a, a, a process that's, that's in the document called the Constitution, and it lays out what or how a president should be elected. And no no so-called insurrection can deviate that political process or that constitutional process because, Karina, when I was in the military and when I took that oath, although short-lived because of the death of my brother, when I took that oath, they taught me that when an order is given, whether you like it or not, you follow the order first. And if it's something that you need to complain about, you complain about it later. Congress had a responsibility to follow the law first, but they changed the law in midstream when they when they when they helped create this so-called insurrection. Because that's if you look at the definition of insurrection, it is not the definition that Nancy Pelosi used. So I want to go back to the Second Amendment. The Second Amendment uh, discussion that we had there, which I, I want to make a comment on that. Allow me to do that. Uh, I think it's absolutely hypocritical of people like Debbie Wasserman Schultz 
to criticize and to ask for restrictions on our Second Amendment rights when in fact they are always protected by armed guards. How can you possibly take the right away from somebody when you exercise the right to be protected by armed guards? I actually asked that question to Debbie McCarcel Powell when she sat at the military museum um, back in, let me see, that would have been uh, the fall of 19 and uh, advocated for gun control. I don't even know how you can sit at a military history museum in Miami or anywhere else surrounded by not only armed guards that are protecting her, but also veterans, many of who who carry on, you know, carry daily, right? And you advocate... You know, she sits there and she's advocating gun control. How can you even think about something so stupid? But that's the same thing that Debbie Wasserman Schultz will do. She will advocate for uh, taking away your guns, but she's protected by armed guards herself. She has police protection. The same goes for, you know, Comrade Joe. He will take away your guns, but he has a shotgun in his house, several in fact, and he has even bragged about that. Dumb as it is. So how are you going to do better than her and to make sure that we do not lose the right to carry and the right to protect ourselves, right to a military that believes in the Constitution and not walk around with pink hats on? Well, the, 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 the most potent weapon I have is, is to have an opportunity to take to that floor and make those type issues national issues, those type issues of, of trying to restrict our rights to own guns. You know, when, if you look at that Second Amendment, if you look at the language, you'll see the way it was written. Uh, before we actually had a military, we had civilian, we had uh, militias, and I think we still do have a lot of militias. And the Constitution mm-hmm. talk about having a well-regulated militia, people who uh, who understand how to use a gun, a person who's trained uh, to use a gun in the event that this country is under attack or is under some type of subver- subversion. Uh, so that's why they, uh, if you were to take this back to the early beginning, the founding fathers, they knew why they put forth language. And in, and in, clu- in concluding, uh, it says that everyone has a right. Uh, it says the right of the people to keep and bear arms in the event uh, this country is under attack. So you can't take away Second Amendment right privileges from a citizenry that this country needs in the event that we may be over overtaken by a foreign enemy or overtaken by a foreign national. So when you hear people like Debbie Wasserman Schultz, when you hear people like Joe Biden talk about gun restrictions, that's what they call a, a disarmament, which that's prohibited because it said in the Constitution, those rights, the Second Amendment rights, shall not be infringed. When he said it shall not be infringed, shall is the highest assertion. Shall is the highest form of authority. When the, when you have a document such as this Constitution within our amendment, when they say the word shall, uh, there's nothing that you can do to, to take away those rights. So what I'm going to do differently is, is, to, is to constantly and continually oppose any legislation or any advocacy that goes against our Second Amendment rights, because if that's the case, then you're also disarming our defenses, you're disarming our military, you're disarming our police, 
You're yeah. telling you're telling other countries that it's okay to come into America and take it over and 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 do what you want to do to the people here in America because they are disarmed. Look at what's going on in Cuba. I mean, mm-hmm. you look at what what the Cuban government has done to their people. They have disarmed their people and now. The people there in Cuba being murdered, they don't have a way of protecting themselves. They don't have a way of protecting their families because the government uh, don't allow them to have uh, have a uh, have guns or have a way of protecting themselves against a brutal regime. Regime. So this is what they want for our country and those freedom-loving people in America that believe in our Second Amendment rights. We must, in all this, we must protect this country against all forms of tyranny. And this is where we are right now. We must fight the communism. We must fight the socialists. We must fight against the anarchists. And we must fight against the right to trying to take away our gun. Because I support the Second Amendment with all fiber. And I will continue to support a right that was given to us by our founding fathers in a, do- in a document called the United States Constitution. Thank you, Ruben. Thank you. And if you want to support Ruben Rung, again, you can go to www.r.youngforcongress.com or you can go to www.sophiepublishing.com. That's S-O-P-H-I-E publishing.com and support him with uh, getting this great book, American Carnage, written by Tim Alberta. You're going to love it. It actually goes over a period of time from uh, pretty much when... Bush took office, and so it starts in uh, in in that time. But it really uh, commences in February of 2008, and up until today. So go ahead and support Ruben Young for Congress. Uh, let's move on to uh, to the next question that I have for you here, because during this pandemic. Or pandemic, some will call it. I call it a pandemic because I think there was more to it than just an illness that was suddenly occurring, throwing us, thrown on us. Debbie Wasserman Schultz has, um, in many many's perspective, not protected small business owners. And as we know, small business is the the fundamentals of a country. It's the backbone of our country. Um, but it's under attack, and it's under attack by these big horrible corporations that are really just implementing, I mean, they're implementing a new master and slave society with these uh, corporations that are that are driving people away from their families. Um, so, she has certainly been part of the, the crowd of far-left liberals that have not protected small business owners. What are you going to do to restore that um, because a lot of businesses have really, really suffered during this pandemic, and how are you going to protect them moving forward? Well, you, well, you know, I'm so happy that you asked that question. Uh, now, I want you listeners to know that I'm running on a five-point platform that I hope will serve District 23, which is I want to be a strong advocate for small business owners. I want to support our grandparents and, our, and, and for the, who are seeking a quality education for their children. When was the last time you heard a Democrat, specifically Debbie Wasserman Schultz, express small business ownership as a top concern? As you mentioned, uh, during the uh, 2020 and 21 
pandemic, I like the word you use, pandemic. Uh, mm-hmm. What did David do in order to help accelerate the reopening of small businesses? Uh, after that plan, it was proven that that pandemic was a, was a farce or was fake. And another thing, Karina, why did the Democrats as, as a political party really talk about economic freedom, capitalism, or private sector job growth? Let me tell you why they don't do that. Because this now they are moving towards enslavement. Uh, they are a- actually trying to enslave the citizens here in this country. They are doing everything they can to take over those constitutional rights, those uh, those protections, uh, those freedoms that we hold to be dear uh, in our Constitution and in violation of our due process rights, uh, in violation of our uh, 13th Amendment rights, in violation of our 14th Amendment rights, and in violation of our 15th Amendment. So therefore, you think they even read the Constitution? I think a lot of those that sit in Congress right now, they've never even bothered to read the Constitution or the Declaration of Independence, and certainly I think she's one of them. Um, because otherwise they, they would probably be thinking in different ways. But I'm glad you're bringing that up um, about violating these rights. So, you know, Debbie Wasserman Schultz and also Debbie McCarthy Powell here in South Florida were horrible in supporting the big businesses with these um, stimulus packages. When in fact the small businesses and those that started uh, in the last most recent three years before the pandemic started, they got no help. Most of them were completely ignored. There was nothing from the SBA. Nothing. I mean, many of the um, of the uh, packages that that went out, and also the grants that that were supported during that time, such as Comcast's Rise uh, program, it does not support small businesses of all kinds. No, for example, Rice. Uh, Comcast's rice program will only give money to black people, which I think is discriminatory. It should not be a matter of race at all. Um, it should not. It should no, not. It, it should has should not have any impact at all, whether you're black, white, Latino, mm-hmm. or whatever. It doesn't matter. Small business is a small business, and they need it just the same as the next guy over. All right, and mm-hmm. the same banana program that that ran here or that still runs here in um, in Miami-Dade County, it doesn't do any good for lots of people because of the selective way that Leroy Jones um, will allow the money to be distributed. And David Wasserman Schultz is part of that group of people that will really not support the very small business owners, the sole proprietorships that have less than three employees, those that are have been established uh, in the last three years, or even worse, those that are work from home businesses but are actually doing well. They have website, uh, you know, web-based businesses. They haven't done anything for them during this pandemic. How are you going to work to help those businesses, some of them which have failed but would love to get back on their feet again? and to protect them from this baloney happening one more time? Well, uh, 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 that's a very good question. Um, and I'm glad you asked that question. You know, when I was uh, an aide, I, I was a district legislative assistant too. And I helped, when I, before I walked away from the Democrats, I used to serve a, uh, a large constituency, constituency. I helped resolve most of the problems. Some you can't always resolve, but you but you make an effort. 
But one of the things I pride myself on is being in a position of sharing resources. Oftentimes, small businesses, uh, members of the community, or a nonprofit group, they don't know what resources are coming down the pipe because we got or had the opportunity of identifying those resources. I would make it my effort to uh, uh, send out communications to a lot of the small businesses, to a lot of the nonprofit organizations to let them know what resources or what funds were, were available that were coming down from the federal government, that was coming down to go into our state government and eventually go into our, elect, uh, our local government. So I pride myself. I pride myself of, of identifying these resources, and not only identifying these resources, but I would get in contact with agencies, I mean regional offices. I would get in contact with um, administrators, and this is what I'm going to continue to do once I get elected. And I would uh, uh, make it my level best to ensure that they assist our small businesses in whatever the ways. You know, they, they have... Uh, they have small business development corporations, especially one at FIU, who give assistance to small businesses who help them identify their, or where the capital, uh, where the resources are, and they help them market their business and to help them uh, with a plan of action. So this is the thing that I think Debbie is not doing because they have a selective group of elites. They have a, a selective group of people that they give resources to for the purpose of helping them extend their uh, political campaigning. Or they're getting their, like, So they give these monies to organizations such as what you mentioned, Leroy Jones. I think that uh, it used to be a part of Neighbor for Neighbors. Uh, I think it's a part of Neighbor for Neighbors, uh, Two for Change. And those resources, they don't always go to the area of, of intended purposes. Uh, you know, they, so how do we change that? Well, we change it by uh, taking these people, these elite groups, these groups that they use for political favoring when they need them to go into the communities. And, you know, and I've seen, I grew up in the inner city, so I know about Liberty City. I know about Homestead, mm -hmm. Naranja. I know about yeah. areas that they have neglected. Those are my experiences. And this is why I'm running part of the reason so my voice can matter. So it doesn't matter, like you said. It should not matter about a person's skin color. As long as they are an American and they are here as, as, as citizens, they are yeah. entitled to the same equal opportunities. And those are the things that I'm a, uh, I'm a fight for. I'm a take to the floor. We're going to identify who's getting what. I want to identify who's getting what in the district, who's getting what resources, what organizations are getting these resources. And then we can, we're going to sit down, have a conversation. And if we can change it, we're going to change it. But we're going to put the district, small businesses in the district, we're going to put them back in the driver's seat. Because small businesses are the engine. Let me ask you. On every single application for whatever it is that you're applying for in this country, which differs from many other countries, let me tell you, you will find on the application a question that pertains to race and ethnicity. And it's Amen. so typical of America, so typical, but it's not the same thing necessarily in other countries. It's a very American thing and a very disgusting thing, too. Now, they're trying to argue, well, it's so that we can, you know... You apply equality for all. Well, it's also a way to discriminate against those that, you know, they dislike, such as right now they're on a rampage against white people, which is ridiculous. 
Um, so what do you think about the idea that we completely take out that question on all application, whether it's for college, employment application, uh, passports? Obviously, we'll have to have it on passport because, you know, it's part of the process. But on uh, any kind of employment application, certainly on grants and loans and things like that. Because really, when you sit and I used to work in banking as, as a mortgage broker, what difference does it matter that I have an application for for somebody looking to buy a house or a condo, whatever it is, that they're black or Native American or Latino or whatever? It does. It, it has no impact on their financial ability to repay that loan, or if. It's an application for college or whatever. But does it matter what color of skin they have? How about we take out that? Would you advocate for that uh, when you get elected? That we should take that question now? Because let me tell you something. They don't do that in, say, Europe. Uh, many places there. And I, I grew up in Denmark, so I know for a fact that it doesn't say on the application when you apply for a job, are you white, black, uh, Latino, or whatever. It doesn't. 100%. Well, I tell you, Karina, you know what? You sound like somebody that I am so thank. I thank God that I am on a conversation with someone like you. I mean, oh, you, express, yeah, you. you express some of the same uh, concern, you know, and I must say this again. I've never understood that, uh, you know, growing up in Miami, growing up uh, in, in the heart of black communities. I never understand why uh, we would continually promote division. With issues. That's exactly what you're doing. That's exactly what you're doing with that. It, it promotes division instead of unity. I, I never understood that, Karina. I never could. You know, even when I applied for, you know, I applied for jobs, you know, and I applied for loans. It shouldn't matter. Everything should be based upon my ability, my ability to pay back the loan. Am I in a financial position? Whereas if I take out a loan, can I pay it back, or whether I'm in a, uh, a, a employment position to do the job that I'm applying for, and and, and if my skill levels are not there, uh, you know, under the law, we still have on the federal books that everyone is entitled to a two weeks on the job training to see whether or not they can do fulfill the job that they apply for. But often time, often time, employers they don't want to go through the, the the training, so they you know, so they they look they look for uh, people who get to come in and do the job. Which that's part of a, a, a business. That's that's part of be, being a boss. So you don't I don't, I don't criticize that. But as far as uh, the demographics, as far as keeping up a racial quota to see uh, how many uh, African Americans or Black Americans or Latino Americans or uh, Asian Americans or White Americans that we employ, you know, our labor department. They they saying that they need that information so so they know. What is our breakdown? The Census Department thinks they need that information uh, so they can determine what are the breakdown. But I don't see if there is a lack of. Uh, when the last time you see any agency under a Democrat where they go in and they see that there's some indiscretions or they see that there's some discrimination uh, in mm -hmm. the hiring or in, 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 in giving out uh, loans like they did. I with the, uh, that it increases racism in this country. And, and again, I see that from, I, again, I see that from a, uh, a European perspective, perhaps. But the more you focus on race, the more racism actually is fired up. 
And, and I don't look for. Exactly. A Morgan Freeman address that very nicely back in 2008 when he was in a interview with um, 60 Minutes, he said that the more you talk about it, the more it becomes a problem. That's the problem with Black History Month or Latino History Month or, or Hispanic History Month for that matter. We don't have a Jewish History Month. He's correct about that. You know, why don't we have a, a, a Native American History Month? What about the Middle Eastern? There are Middle Easterners here in this country. Why don't we have that? It's discrimination one way or the other. So would you, uh, would you propose a bill uh, when you get elected that takes that question out of applications all around because it fosters racism and discrimination? Well, let me say this to you. Let me say this one thing what, what we could have in this conversation. I would, I would love to do that as long as you help me write it up. I would oh, love to work. Deal. Now, we're I a little bit close to because we, we don't have that much time left on the, on the show here. And there is one thing that I briefly want to go over before, um, before we conclude today. And certainly we're going to have you back because we are going to have a weekly Team Young Town Hall Hour on Sophie's Voice. Um, and soon we will announce the time and date that that will take place on a weekly basis. And I really love that we're doing this with you. Uh, because we have some great Thank topics you. coming up here, and I look forward to, to your platform and how we can make District 23 better than what Debbie Wasserman Schultz has, has done. Um, so I want to move on a little bit to education because it's, every, it's on everybody's mind right now. A lot of parents are very nervous about sending their kids back to school. They're nervous about uh, critical race theory being taught in school. They're, they're worried about uh, more lockdowns. Um, I've even heard some parents that are that are worried about we might get shootings back because we had a lot of problems with uh, school shootings during the Obama years, but it didn't seem to be such a big issue during the Trump years. Now we got Biden that has occupied the White House, um, and they're concerned about that coming back because now they're sending their kids back to school. They're also concerned about lockdowns and uh, and the fact that parents are prevented from getting full insight into what the heck they're teaching in school. And some of that, the stuff that they're teaching in school is absolutely disgusting. So now that uh, we have a left that's attacking our education system and actually has been for a very long time with indoctrinations rather than educating our, our children, what do you intend to do to reform a very damaged system? Because as far as I, I see and comparing again to, to European schools, the education system in this country is so inferior. It's embarrassing. And it starts back with Bush too and he's no child left behind. It was garbage. Obama really screwed it up when he implemented uh, Every Student Succeed Act. It was horrible. And now we are at a point where kids are going to really, really suffer from inferior education. What are you going to do to reform a damaged education system? And we only have four, well, I know, we only have four minutes left. I'm sorry. Okay. So one of, one of the first things I think we need to do, we need to go back and look at those educational uh, uh, bills, uh, legislation that has not worked, and we need to repeal them. Uh, we need to go after all the failed uh, policies. And we need to create uh, uh, education opportunities that deal with economics, that deal with economic education. 
uh, we need to look at ensuring that there are alternative uh, uh, education opportunities uh, for parents uh, throughout this, mean, this country. Yeah, I mean, first of all, there's a lot of redundancy that's going on in our current education system. A lot of things that we are teaching our children, they're not going to use. So we need to apply. And how, we need to apply those things that we know uh, that works. Uh, we know that a lot of our children are not going to uh, go to universities of higher learning. So we, we need to have educational opportunity, uh, economic opportunity program that teaches our children those core bases. So if they were to not go to those uh, those universities, they can go out into uh, the, the society and they can hit the ground running on day one. So, therefore, we need to repeal. Maybe more focus on, like to... focus on, edu uh, on vocational training and apprenticeship that uh, that has actually worked in the past, but that you know now there's a push for everybody has to go to college, but not everybody is ready for college or it's what they really want to do. A mechanic doesn't need to go to college, but we need mechanics, right? That's right. We need we need somebody to fix that cars, I and mean, I need one right now. Carpenters <laughs> and plumbers too. Absolutely, we appreciate their professions. Absolutely. If my toilet is broken, I don't want to have to fix it. I want somebody to come in and fix it. That's competent. That's not going to rig it. We need to talk about this in one of our upcoming shows with you for sure. Uh, so, okay. so reforming the uh, education system—a huge thing that we need to that we need to do. Um, we need to put need parents to back in the driver's seat. Uh, parents back in the driver's seat. Yes, thank you, thank you. Absolutely need that. What do you think, Debbie Wasserman Schultz has done as one of the worst things she could have done, uh, done or not done for the educational system, which is so damaged? Well, one of the things that saddens me is how she put American-born children last, and they put the uh, illegal children up front to receive the type of education opportunities, whereas we should have been uh, protecting the future of American children. I mean, every child is in the college and education, quality education, but I also believe that every American-born child uh, should be able to compete Globally, and you, if you look at some communities, uh, some of our children don't even know how to read or write because we don't we don't have the type of uh, educational reform that give our children that one-on-one that, that, that deals with life coaching. When you, so this is what one of the things that the Democratic oh, yeah. Party has. We have 90 seconds left. Uh, I'd like to hear your your last thoughts on that, and then uh, people make sure that you go to sophiepublishing.com to get. Uh, uh, Get the American Carnage, and also make sure that you go visit www.youngforcongress.com. Last thoughts, last 60 seconds for you. All right, so, so, so you know, in supporting the Department of Education uh, on the national level, that, that agency should be removed. Uh, we should allow our, uh, our states to uh, create the type of, of uh, educational systems that our children can learn and grow within so that's what the GFL. I think that I think that's a wonderful idea and and certainly I'd love to talk to you more about that let's make that part of the uh, agenda shall we um, Ruben yes, Young thank you so so much for coming on the show today it's been such a pleasure and honor to have you here and I really look forward to the weekly team young town hall hour that we're going to announce very soon thank you so much for coming on today thank you thank you for having me
Thank you very much. Again, go to www.young for Congress. Have a good night. Thank you for coming on. Sorry. Good night.